Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. We're the only dating app out there that actually asks whether you went on a date mm, and how the date yeah. went. So we can use that information to feed that back into the algorithm to improve your matches over time. The balance is making sure our users are spending more time on dates and less time on the dating app, obviously. Well, we've all been pushed around. Hello and welcome to It's Complicated, the podcast to help you untangle your relationship with your phone. Left our hearts in the lost and found. I'm Tanya Goodin. And each week, I'll be talking to my guests about how they manage the relationship with the tiny tyrant in their pocket. We'll be talking about how our phone habits affect our work, our lives and our loves, and about what our relationship with our phone might just tell us about our relationship with ourselves. If you want help and you want hope, you've come to the right place. This is It's Complicated. Today I'm talking to Justin McLeod, founder and CEO at Hinge, the dating app designed to be deleted. After attending Harvard Business School, Justin decided to follow his passion for connecting people. He founded Hinge in February 2011 with a mission to create real-life connections. As a romantic and the protagonist of a real-life love story, he was upset by the negative hookup culture dating apps had created. So in October 2016, he relaunched Hinge to create a culture of thoughtful dating. So, Justin, I'm really pleased to be talking to you today about dating in particular, because the current state of dating was one of the reasons why I set up Time to Look Up, and it was prompted by this article, which I'm just showing Justin, but I know he already knows all about it, um, that appeared in Vanity Fair in 2015 and went viral, Tinder and the Dawn of the Dating Apocalypse. And I just wanted to start by asking you, what do you think has gone wrong with dating since the dawn of apps like Tinder? I think that... There were things that were wrong and are wrong, but I think there's also a lot that's going right. And I think that article really showed the dark side of where I think some of these apps have, have taken us. And and frankly, like that that article was also a big reason for me. Like Hinge went through a big reboot in 2016, and it was it was inspired in a big way by this article because when I read that, and Hinge is featured pretty prominently yeah, as well. <laughs> 
And when I read that, it just occurred to me like this isn't the world that I wanted to create. And I think that that world was, in a, in a way, dating apps are great. They offer like a lot of options to people who maybe didn't have options or struggled to meet new people. Uh, I think it's it's helped a ton of people undoubtedly. However, there's just when you look at the way that some of these apps are designed, and and I think social media in general, it it sort of like flattens people. It makes them seem sort of disposable. It almost turns the whole thing into this like consumer experience where you like yeah. want to consume people and like it's and shopping. Just, Isn't yeah, it's shopping just shop- it's basically just shopping for people yeah. and tossing left and right and always believing that there's something more, or something better. Because when you when you see someone like so flat like that, you can just project onto them like maybe how wonderful or how bad they are based on the smallest little things. And it's just not, you're not viewing them as like real people. And, and then I think the other thing is it just gets you so sucked into this world of what I'll call like, people are looking for connection, obviously, when they, when they uh, download a, a dating app, for the most part, at least there's a deep part of them that wants that. But then we start getting fed the junk food of like validation. We get the, the likes and we get the interest and then we start feeding off of that which is like a cheap substitute for what we're really looking for, which is deeper connection. And I think that apps work weren't really helping us find that. So tell me a bit about the Hinge story. You said that um, the dating apocalypse piece was your impetus to reboot Hinge, but obviously you'd launched Hinge before that. So tell me a bit about you and why you set Hinge up and then about the reboot. Hinge started originally because of that deep like desire for connection that I had and it was, intimately tied up with the story of how I ended up with my wife, Kate. Mm. But Kate and I were dated in college and we broke up at the end of college. And then four years later, I like wanted to get her back. Like I just couldn't find anyone like Kate. And I was like, she's the one. And so I reached out to her and she was like, you know, I'm sorry, it's too late. Like she moved over. She's actually living over here in London. And so I was heartbroken and I was at business school. And I just started thinking like, I, I had sort of trouble meeting people. I didn't really go out to bars. Like, it was a big party scene in, in business school, and I wasn't really part of that. And so I kind of wanted to turn to, like, dating apps or dating services. There weren't apps at the time. Just, like, yeah, it was online. So, what, so what kind of year are we talking about This here? is 2011. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was before, really, the apps. It was before any yeah. of the apps. It was before Tinder or any of the yeah. apps. And, and it occurred to me at the time that, like, it's so weird that, you know, all my peers, who are all the single people, all the people in their 20s, weren't really using these but it would, but it just seemed like it, that was crazy. And, and what I figured out was like, I think it was really just making it the experience sort of like easy and fun and simple because at the time you'd like, you'd have to sit down at a desktop computer and fill out a long profile and enter all the search criteria. It was like a full-time job. I remember, I remember some of those forms and they went on forever yeah. and that stopped people from doing it. I think it, yeah. I think it did because it also, because it was so hard, you would only do that if you were like really struggled in the real world. And so it was the signal yeah. that you were like desperate <laughs> and couldn't do yeah. it. And then like no one I'm wanted so to I'm so desperate. It. I was spending an hour filling this up. Yeah. And what changed was the, was the one click sign on, right? Like yeah. logging with, with Facebook. And then you, you, your photos were all populated. And for us, the, the real innovation was that originally we were connecting you to your friends of friends, like the people that you would eventually yeah. meet at a house party or a dinner or a wedding. So we would use your Facebook network and we would just say like, oh, here's like this person's friends with, you know, Susan and maybe you should meet her. That was the original idea. It's like, oh, I should just create this like really light way to sort of like explore your social network and find people who might be interested in you as well. And that was the original idea. 
And then we just started focusing on our competition and seeing what everyone else was doing. And, and so we, we copied like the swipe feature and all those different things. And, and I think it, again, it just made it, it helped us grow faster as a company because it got people sort of like engaged with it. And, but it just wasn't leading to dates. It was leading to this kind of hookup culture that had taken over and not real deep connection, which was where the heart of this had come from. Like I wanted to find my, my Kate and, and but all I was that wasn't going to be the way yeah Yeah. it wasn't the way it's interesting so I remember talking to some people who were really kind of um, seriously dating or heavily dating around that time and they said the problem with apps like Tinder is they just never led to dates there was just kind of endless validation of oh you've swiped me and then a bit of messaging and one of the things I know I've read about Hinge is that it has more second and third dates than any other app. I mean, I think Tinder sometimes struggle with first dates. So what is it, when you did your reboot, what is it about Hinge then that makes it different, that makes it lead to those kind of real world connections? So when we did the, when we did the reboot, we, we really just, we started over from scratch. We sort of just threw out the old user base, the old, uh, we threw out the old like app and interface and all the code and everything. We just like started over from scratch. And what I challenged the team to do was, if our goal isn't growth or time and app or anything like that, but our goal is just like how many users each week are we sending out on a good date, then how would we redesign this experience? And it led to a, like a very, very different experience. And we can talk about each of the features yeah. and why they're different. Do you think it might be difficult for you because it's like choosing your favorite child, but which feature do you think is the killer feature that makes it... So there yeah, are lead to the days. There's a there's a lot, um, but the core of it is the fact that instead of the swipe, we actually have people fill out deeper profiles, and then people engage with individual elements of those profiles. It seems simple. It seems like a pretty subtle change, but it leads to a pretty like monster difference in the way that people. But they're not use as big services. as those old profiles that you know you went to. Yeah. Okay, Cupid or whatever those ones were, where you know you filled up page after page. That's There's right. Carefully chosen questions. Yeah. So it's a few photos and some carefully chosen questions that we've optimized over time that we find lead to dates. And what it does is it just like slows people down. If you like someone, you actually have to show what you like about them, and then you can send a little. You can add something to that you like about them. And what that does is it just slows people down. It makes them more selective. It makes the conversations more unique, and also because it makes people more selective we can zero in on your type of person way easier. If on those other apps, people will say yes, especially men, 50, 60, 70, 80% of the time. Yeah. And so how do you ever learn That's someone's That's the taste? strategy on Tinder I keep reading, that you know the guys just say yes to everyone and kind of see what, what comes out in the wash. <laughs> yeah, and so when you do that, you just can't, you can't learn someone's taste. Because yeah. yeah, I, I walked you out on the street and I said, show me people your type, and you pointed to every other person. I would be like, I... I have no idea like what you want. And so this creates this virtuous cycle that allows us to zero in on the person you type and really, we just get rid of all that noise and really get down to the signal of you only get likes and matches of people who are really interested in you and you're really interested in. So I think that's, that's one piece of it, but there's a lot of other stuff that we do. Uh, most compatible, a lot of people feel overwhelmed by the number of choices and each day we try to zero you in on the person we think you'd like the most who's also going to like you the most and so is that based on machine learning i mean does it kind of the algorithm learns as you say absolutely no way you think that's my type but it isn't then 
that gets fed back into the... Correct. Yeah. And there's two... So there's like two components. One is machine learning. It's great at figuring out your type. Yeah. So that's wonderful. But once you know everyone's type, the, the real trick is to figure out who you're going to like, who's also going to like you back and how you sort of like sort everyone out. Because uh, it's easy just to show you people that we think you're going to like. But finding the... Like helping people figure out who to focus on among all the people that they could like among people who are actually going to like them back. That's what most compatible is for. Uh, we have we met. I mean, we're the only dating app out there that actually asks whether you went on a date mm, and how the date yeah. went. So we can use that information to feed that back into the algorithm to improve your matches over time if that wasn't your person. Because presumably the other apps don't care. They just want you on the app swiping. I mean, I, if yeah. that's what they're measuring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're not. if they're not measuring it, I mean, what you... What you choose to measure as a company, it, it will end up defining you as a company. And so the fact that our whole company is organized around how many good dates are we sending people on each week, it just creates a very, very different product experience. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So, do you think we even need dating apps? I mean, shouldn't we all be getting off 
the internet completely. I, I keep reading the statistic that the loneliest section of the population is the 16 to 24 year olds, which I assume are the ones, 18 plus, that are dating quite heavily. So something's not working for them. Shouldn't we actually just be forgetting about tech and just going out and trying to pick people up in bars? So like obviously I don't feel that way because I wouldn't <laughs> be doing what I'm doing. No, and it's just about like, are we using it in the right way? And just because this is the way that tech and social media are designed right now, doesn't mean it's always going to be this way. And I think that we've got to wake up to the way that these apps are designed, a lot of them. And it's not just dating. And in fact, it's it, dating, honestly, is like the least of my concerns as I think about the, the broader industry, because some of these apps are truly meticulously and almost nefariously designed to just keep you sucked in yeah. all day. Mostly like the social media apps, the news apps, things like that. And it really does, I mean, you you know this, but it really does, the staring at these screens all day, just like disconnects us from the world around us, disconnects us from our body, disconnects us from our relationships, disconnects us from meaningful and deep work. And as a result, like our lives become shallower and we have rest, less of a reason to focus on our real world lives and we get sucked into these screens even more and that's like obviously not good however technology can be like it's amazing like spotify uber there are apps out there that enable us to live fuller better lives we can get around easier we can discover better music and i think in a sense there's that potential with all of these things Social media apps could be designed if, the, if they measured instead of how long did you spend in the app, how many like real world, you know, connections did it help foster? Yeah. How many times did it help someone who was lonely or sad, like cheer up because it, it like fostered a genuine connection? That would be a very different way to measure how well you're doing as a social media app and therefore would result in a very different looking app than the ones that you see. And so if you, if you apply that dating, that's what we're doing at Hinge is like we're we're helping people find the right person. And there's by the way, there's there's already a lot of data to show that that dating apps are doing a lot of good in the world. I mean, one, interracial marriages are up uh, significantly. There's a lot of at least anecdotal evidence about people being more comfortable leaving abusive or bad marriages because they know that there is an alternative out there and That's they are really going to be able to find someone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and people are, another good trend I think is that people are waiting longer now to choose their partner who they're going to stay with for the long term. And I actually view that as a really great trend because people are comfortable. They, they want to see what's out there. They want to see what's important to them. And then I think that they choose the right person. And as also as a result of this later marriage date and people having more experience before they choose to get married, you're seeing a drop in divorce rates. Mm -hmm. And so I think all of that is really, really good. And it's just up to us as app developers to like zero in and measure how well are we meeting the deeper desire and need of our users versus how well are we keeping them hooked on our product. So your approach as an app is, is definitely a balanced approach because what I mean, your strap line is the app that's designed to be deleted. So you're all about let's use the tech in the way that it's most efficient to find, you know, to, to find your person, but then go out in the real world and meet them. So don't spend too much time. On yeah, that. I certainly want people spending more time on dates <laughs> than I want them spending on my app. Yeah. Like that would definitely be the ideal. And actually we're gonna start, I, we don't measure 
uh, that quite yet. I've got to figure out how long people spend on dates on average and how long people spend on the app and measuring that out. But certainly yeah. the balance is getting, have, making sure our users are spending more time on dates and less time on the dating app, obviously. So you're a tech CEO. What, what's your own relationship with the online offline world? I'm pretty wary of tech because I, I view most of it as, again, keeping me sucked in. Like I don't have, um, I don't have Instagram. I don't have Facebook. And I know that because I tried I to Twitter. find you. Yeah. <laughs> you don't I, have Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have Twitter. Um, and and beyond that, even email and Slack and things like that, I don't keep on my phone because I think that would just send me. You know, as a CEO and as a leader, I have to be a creative and high-level and strategic thinker. If I spend all day just like reacting to the next email, the next Slack message, then I never get to like step back and do the deep work that I have to be able to do as a leader of a company. And it can make me like feel productive or something, just be like responding to emails all day. But at the end of the day, I just feel like burned out and tired and I can't like lift my head up and think of longer term. And so I don't have any of that. I'm like very careful with my phone, I, I mean, I, I don't even have social media accounts, but I certainly don't keep social media on my phone. Yeah. And, and my phone you, is just a tool, you know. Do you have sort of deliberate carved out digital detox moments? Do you have times of the year when you go away and you're off screen or times of the week or, you know, how does that work for you? I do. When I travel, I really try to unplug. If, I, if I'm going on vacation, I really try to unplug fully and it's not use the device at all. I just did a 10 day meditation retreat where you're totally, I mean, you can't use tech, but you also can't talk, read, write, listen to music, <laughs> make eye contact with anyone, yeah. have physical contact with anyone. So you're really just kind of in your own world. And also, I, like, I think it's really important to have the daily rituals to make sure that you don't just, again, just like start, pick up your phone first thing in the morning and start reacting. Like having an alarm clock is really important. Do you so have an alarm clock? I do have an alarm oh, clock. Yeah, it's like an old-fashioned time yeah. you know, alarm clock. Because... If your phone is your alarm clock, even if you don't keep it in your room, but you run out, as soon as you pick it up and turn off your alarm, it's like so tempting just like start checking things. Uh, so I don't want to do that at all. So I wake up in the morning. Uh, I try to my first thing I try to reach for is a journal and just like write freehand for a couple pages and sit in meditation for twenty minutes, which just is like a completely different way to start your day. And I aspire to have like a good wind down routine, but I'm just. Not quite there yet. <laughs> so has that filtered down into the culture of the business, do you think? Do, do you see other people that work for you following similar kind of routines? Uh, that's actually something we're, I'm starting to explore right now because we work so hard at Hinge and we're a small team. Like we're, yeah. Most people don't know, but we're only like 45 people on the whole team. And that includes engineering, product, customer service, design. We, we do it all in-house and we're 45 people. So... I think people feel, especially right now, because we've been experiencing such tremendous growth, we feel a little bit like burnt out. Mm. But I sort of have a thesis that um, that people also feel burned out because they still keep Slack on their phones and email yeah. on their phones. And I think Slack on the phones is a nightmare. When, when Slack first came out, I thought it was genuinely brilliant. And very quickly, I realized that it just means you're permanently connected. Yeah. So I, did, I deleted it as well. Like... So again, like, I don't think you necessarily have to go to the... Well, so I, I think Slack's a great tool to have. But not on a phone. Yeah, but not yeah. on your phone. And, and you also have to have, like, boundaries about how you use it at work as well. Because if people are, you know, context switching 
every 10 seconds because a new Slack notification comes in, they'll like never get anything done. And you have to know how to like shut it down and turn off the notifications so you can sit down and like do an extended period of work. Um, but certainly, yeah, I mean, I, I don't keep it on my phone and I ask, everyone has license at my company to text me if there's something that's truly urgent that I need to respond to right now, because obviously those things do occur. Mm. But I don't. But that means you get a lot fewer messages because they really will think. Yeah, you'd be surprised. Like you. once a day, twice yeah. a day, is there something that's truly that urgent that yeah. someone has to like send me a message about it? For the most part, you know, it can wait until I can sit down at a computer. Um, I've got three questions that I've been asking everybody um, that I want to ask you. So what is the one thing that you would like to say to everyone listening about their phone habits? Well, if you just had one message to get over to them, what would it be? I think it's that people need to know that screens are the new cigarettes, you know? And I don't think we have a have a full understanding of the history of even something like cigarettes or fast food. But, you know, it took us we had like a 30-year debate about whether cigarettes were bad yeah. for you. And, it, you know... And the industry saying they weren't. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. And, and we look back on that and we're like, wait, like inhaling smoke into your lungs like all day, like obviously, you know, like common sense prevails and you look back on that and you think that that's insane. And I think like screens are beyond smoking. I mean, it's, it's so it's so much worse because all of us are doing it. We're doing it eight hours a day and... Kids are doing it. Yeah, kids yeah. are doing it. And I don't think yet we have a full appreciation for how harmful it is, but it's really harmful. I mean, cigarettes, frankly, cause lung cancer one day, maybe. These cause loneliness, depression, and anxiety definitely right now. Mm. And so, you know, you can wait for the studies to come out if you want, and they do exist. I mean, if you want to go out there and read the books that I'm sure you've recommended to your readers, like the studies are out there showing that these things happen. And I think the fundamental reason why they happen is we feel overstimulated and we feel disconnected from our bodies. And when that happens, you just, you just begin the cycle of addiction and you become, I mean, your bodies are how you feel emotion. It's how you, like, it's how you experience reality is like through your five senses. There's no other way. Otherwise you just live in your head all day. And that's like a very scary place to live. But if just like you've experienced on your retreats, like you don't have to wait for studies. You can just do this yourself. You can just unplug for a week or two and see how it changes your mood and your outlook and your attitude and your energy levels. And then you don't need the studies. You can just do it yourself. So don't wait for someone to tell you it's bad for you. Read your own signals. Yeah. Like, yeah. like trust. Yeah. I, I feel like we've, we've, yeah, I won't get on like too big a soapbox here, but I do feel like we've, as a culture now, we over rely on the studies and the data. And we certainly should be using studies and data, but we start to, I think, devalue our own intuition and common yeah. sense. But there's a lot of wisdom in our intuition and common sense and firsthand experience. And I think people should be trusting themselves a little bit more and not waiting for, because no one's going to do, who's going to fund that study? Very good question. It's not going to be the tech companies, yeah. is it? Um, have you got a top tip you haven't already shared about getting a good balance around often? So you've, I know you've got an alarm clock. You've talked about taking the apps off your phone. Yeah, I think the, the morning routine is, is I don't know how, like those are the main tips, right? Like have a, have a ritual each day that, that 
you know, it doesn't have to, that doesn't have to be it, but something that allows you to like start the day in a little bit more of a proactive mode, like, and, or maybe it's the evening for you. I'm, I'm a morning person, you know, all my good ideas, like I just wake up in the morning and I just like want to run with them. And, um, so that I think is, is one. And the other is definitely if, if you can do it. And so many people will immediately react and say, like, I can't possibly delete email. Like I'll get fired if I delete email or Slack off my phone. Maybe, but maybe seriously consider how you could do that. And yeah, I just think that we should, and, and maybe even start the conversation at your work about how maybe all of you should be doing that and give people license to text you when it's truly urgent. But like I said, I find that's quite rare. Mm. Um, and what do you think you've learned about yourself from your phone and tech habits? You've been in the tech industry quite a while. What's either surprised you or depressed you or have you been pleased about with your own habits? I think it's, what I've learned about myself and what I've learned about other people is just how susceptible we all are to our environment and how conscious we have to be about setting our environment. Otherwise, like, you know, it's just as easy for me to become totally in, like enthralled and infatuated with my device and staring at my screen all day. And, but these little cues that we can do or little, just like they make such a massive difference in our, in our day-to-day existence. So, but I, I do, I just believe that we're so, I am so susceptible to my environment. And if I don't consciously construct it, then it's going to be constructed for me by people who are, see me as nothing more than, mm. you know, a wallet and some attention that they can put on this mass. Um, I just want to cycle back to your dating story, because right at the beginning, we, you talked about how Hinge was all about wanting to get Kate back and how she moved country and you set up the app, but you didn't. I mean, obviously, she's now your wife. So, yeah, you didn't, we didn't say, we didn't, we didn't what get back happened? to the end. So, yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting because it's really tied up with this whole thing. Because, right, so in 2015, which is the year that this article came yeah. out that you referenced in the beginning, shortly before that, a reporter had reached out to me and wanted to write a story about Hinge because she had downloaded the app and met someone and thought it was like the greatest app and wanted to just tell the story. And so we did a interview and at the end she asked if I ever been in love and I'm like, well, a long, you should say yeah, I was like a long time ago, <laughs> but I didn't recognize it until it was too late. And cause I've really never like seriously dated anyone since Kate. And I, uh, and, and it's probably cause I had that mentality of just like going through people and thinking that like volume was the answer, you know, it's like more and more people and like eventually I'll find the right person. But really what it was about for me was just, you know, Kate happened to be at the same college as me, but we just connected because we were vulnerable and we had this like amazing sort of intimate relationship. And that's what I was really looking for. And so she came back in, oh, sorry. So in 2015, that writer was like, listen, and she had a very similar experience to me with a sort of a lost love that they reconnected 20 years later and realized it should have been together, which was the reason that she had left her marriage and then downloaded the app. And she's like, you can't make the same mistake I did. Like you have to go and like fly over there. And because she's not married yet, she was, she was engaged to a guy. It's not too late. It's not too late. <laughs> like you have to run up and, and uh, long story short, I did. And I, and I hopped on a plane and I flew over. She's actually living in Switzerland at the time and asked her to, uh, call the wedding back with me, which she did in 2015, and that's when I 
that was the other inspiration for the whole reboot of Hinge as well, is because I realized like this is it's not about volume, it's not about algorithms, it's about getting people to open up and be a little bit more vulnerable. And that was a big theme in the new version of Hinge that I think is working so well and why we're growing so quickly. And so that's and that's how I ended up back with Kate. That is lovely. I want to say thank you so much for chatting to me. Of course, you're not on social media, so I can't hand out any of your handles, but no. you can follow Hinge if you're listening on Instagram and Twitter. And if you're looking for the one, like Justin was, you can download Hinge from the App Store. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's Complicated. If you haven't already, please do subscribe, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. It helps other people find us and it means you get a helpful little notification when a new episode becomes available. For more about getting a healthy balance with tech, you can follow me, Tanya Goodin, or Time to Log Off on Instagram and Twitter. And both my books, Off and Stop Staring at Screens, are available on Amazon and at all good bookshops. Finally, for more information about this and other episodes in the podcast series, visit itstimetologoff.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.